It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our Locked On Cougars, welcome into a special postcast edition of the podcast. We look back at BYU improving to 4-0 and on the season by virtue of a 35-27 victory over USF. A lot to get to, your comments, my initial takeaways, we'll get to all of that ahead right here on Postcast. Let's roll. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the special edition of Locked On Cougars. I'm Jake Hatch, your host here. And of course, I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen every single day. We aim to be the one-stop shop you guys need for all the BYU sports news you're looking for, getting you guys caught up on everything going on with the Cougars. And in the case of this podcast, looking back at yet another victory for the BYU football program, the number 15-ranked Cougars, well... They squeak out of victory. Obviously, it became much closer down the stretch, but they beat USF 35-27. to And the first thing I want to hit on today, folks, is BYU is making history. I know it doesn't feel like it, especially considering BYU gave up a lot of long drives in this game. There are a number of you out there who felt like BYU's defense was absolute garbage, and I can't really, I think, sway you on your sentiment. I don't think I can do that. But BYU is making history, folks. For the first time in program history, the Cougars have started back-to-back seasons 4-0. Yes, think back to the great years in the 1970s, the 1980s, even the mid-2000s, the 1990s. None of those teams have done what BYU has done, going 4-0 to start 2020, obviously on their way to an 11-1 season last year, and now they have started at 4-0 once again. Another parallel to 2020 here for BYU, as many of you will recall, one of the closest games BYU had all year long during the 2020 season was a home game against UT San Antonio. Now, the Roadrunners, they were pretty lightly thought of. I thought most BYU fans felt like they were going to come to Provo and BYU was going to roll to a victory, and they squeak out a 27-20 victory that was much closer than any BYU fan thought it was going to be. Gee, does that sound familiar? Yeah, that would be tonight's contest for BYU against USF. In this game, and we'll run down what I take away from it here in just a moment, more of like the stats, that type of stuff, but I feel like there are a lot of parallels between these two games because, as you guys might recall, after that UTSA game, there were a number of BYU fans, and I remember vividly hearing from you guys that BYU was going to go to Houston the very next week and struggle, and they were going to lose that game, and the dream start to the season was over. What did they do? They go to Houston, start a little bit slow, but then suddenly they ignite and they absolutely obliterate the Cougars, making it 5-0 and on the year. Well, what does BYU have now in 2021? They're coming off of a tight win over USF. They're headed to Logan this Friday night for an in-state date with their brothers to the north, speaking to the Utah State Aggies. Folks... 
The parallels are there. And as my good friends, I'm stealing this from their podcast because they are great podcast hosts. I've listened to it for the better part of a decade. The guys over the Solid Verbal, Dan and Ty, and by the way, this is a shameless plug. They do not even know this podcast exists. I would highly doubt it. But if you guys don't listen to the Solid Verbal, you're not getting everything you could in terms of your college football coverage. But Dan coined a term, I think it's been a couple years now, and I actually used it uh, during the UTSA game last year. Win your clunkers. That is the exact quote. And what it is, is there are games where your team is going to be looking clunky. They just don't seem to be in sync. They don't have things working like they typically do. Well, UTSA last year for BYU was that clunker. Tonight against USF appears to be that same type of a deal for BYU. I am seeing so many parallels to the 2020 season right now for BYU. And I am truly of the opinion that BYU is going to be highly motivated as they make the jaunt north to Logan to take on Utah State this coming Friday night. I think this is a big opportunity for the Cougars to really go out and establish themselves. Obviously, there are going to be Aggie fans who are going to be upset with what happened to them. They motored up and down the field between the 20s, but then they fell apart inside the red zone, got absolutely annihilated 27-3 by Boise State as they lost their first game of the season. So they're going to be motivated. There's no doubt about that. But I really, really like where BYU's at. You learn more in a win than you do in a loss. And BYU struggled. Plain and simple. They struggled in this game. Their inability to slow down USF's offense and get them off the field. We're talking drives of 10, 12, 14. I think 19 plays was the long on the night. It was their final touchdown for South Florida. Those drives were absolutely incredible. So let's look at the drive chart for USF. Their first drive, uh, three plays, six yards punt. Second drive, four plays, nine yards punt. Next drive, 13 plays, 69 yards, 6 minutes and 39 seconds results in a field goal. Next drive for them, 12 plays, 55 yards, 5 minutes and 7 seconds off the clock, field goal. Then they finish up the half with a 3-play, 7-yard drive, which they end up punting. Then in the second half, this is where it gets really nutty. 14 plays, 75 yards, 7 minutes and 35 seconds off the clock to start the second half. That results in a touchdown. 28-13 was the lead for BYU at that point. Then they go 6 plays, 54 yards for a touchdown. Actually, one of their shorter touchdown drives. That took 237. And then finally, just this long, elaborate 19-play, 94-yard drive that carved 9.05 off of the clock, brought the score line to 35-27. BYU in this contest, folks, only had eight offensive positions, possessions. Excuse me. Typically in a game, you'll see an offense like BYU get 10 to 12 possessions, and in some cases, maybe more than that, maybe a 14-possession game. And if it's my opinion, considering BYU in those eight possessions they had, they scored five touchdowns, they got in the red zone one more time, and probably should have handed it off and been a little uh, less cute than they were when they got that blocked field goal late in this game. I'm of the opinion they could have been 6 of 8 on their drives. BYU, 4 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 5 plays, 65 yards, touchdown. 8 plays, 34 yards, touchdown. Uh, 6 plays, 30 yards, punt. 7 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. 4 plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Missed field goal, 9 plays, 70 yards, 317. And then end of game, they grind it out, 8 plays, 24 yards, and take the final 541 off the clock. I am of the opinion, this is just my takeaways, if BYU had their typical maybe 12 possessions in this game, you're seeing BYU north of 50 points in this contest. And maybe we're not having the same type of discussion about BYU 
quote-unquote, squeaking out a victory over USF. I felt like the only way USF was going to pose any threat to BYU, even after they got within one possession, is they had to go for that onside kick. With no timeouts, I know that there was still 5.41 to go in the game, and I, I think it was Kirk Morrison who was on the ESPN call saying, that's too early to go for an onside kick. No, Kirk, you don't understand the game plan. You have no timeouts. You have no way of stopping the clock. You have no way of getting the ball back. You absolutely had to go onside kick there. And thankfully, the execution on the onside kick was absolutely atrocious and the ball goes out of bounds and BYU retains possession. They grind out the clock and they celebrate the win. Let's always be clear about this. Celebrate wins for BYU. They're 4-0 and on the season. How many, of you, how many of you in your heart of hearts, when you really took a realistic look at the schedule ahead of this season, had BYU sitting at 4-0 and in the month of September? Uh, you can put your hands down because I don't believe a single one of you who said that. Maybe in your wildest dreams they were going 4-0, but I think this is a game that is going to prove pivotal for BYU. They came off three straight Power 5 wins. They felt like, okay, you know what? We're going to go out there. We're going to dominate this game. They rotated heavily against USF. They held a number of guys out. Guys like Atunai Samahe, Tyler Batty, Jaron Hall didn't play. Just It was very much a game that BYU thought they could could get by and they started out 21 nothing folks you and i probably both checked out a little bit at that point thinking okay BYU's going to run these fools off the field this game is going to be over well credit to usf they fought their way back into this game and i think they're going to take some of this confidence as they begin uh, their american athletic conference play next week at smu but the good news is byu won a win is a win is a win and to quote the late great Al Davis, owner of the of what was then the Las Vegas, well, it's now the Las Vegas Raiders, Oakland, Los Angeles, just call them the Raiders. Just win, baby. That's all that matters. All right, coming up here in just a minute, it's your guys' turn to sound off. Of course, I reach out on Twitter, let you guys have your takeaways shared, and we're going to get to all of those in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at All Guard Pest Control, a longtime sponsor of the podcast here. And I know Seth, he is a big-time BYU fan. He's probably a little frustrated with how the defense performed. But nonetheless, he is the best of the best when it comes to the pest control game. All Guard has got you guys covered no matter what you're looking for, whether you got an ant problem, mice problem, you got cockroaches, termites, no matter what it is, All Guard Pest Control can handle it for you guys, and they'll do it in a professional and courteous manner. They're going to make sure you guys are taken care of and your problem is abated and it never comes back. They've been taking care of my home for the better part of three years now, and they absolutely have abated every problem I had. I had a mice problem for a little bit, have not seen mice for over a year now. I had some ant problems. I had a spider problem. I had a wasp problem outside. They've taken care of all of those and they can do the same thing for you. Feel free to reach out to them anytime. 801-851-1812 is their phone call, their phone number, excuse me, their phone call. Give them a phone call. 801-851-1812 or go online to their website allguardpestcontrols.com That's allguardpestcontrols with an Check them out, guys. They are the best of the best. That's All Guard Pest Control, a proud partner with us here on Locked On Cougars. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
All right, it's your time to shine here on the podcast, folks. And I threw it out on the Locked On Cougars Twitter feed. We'll send us your game predictions, and you'll get a shout-out if you got the closest score. Well, this week, that belongs to Nick Chadwick. Nick Chadwick, 15. He sent in 38-24 to BYU. That's the closest anybody got with a 35-27 to margin. Our good friend, and we all know he's a secret BYU fan, the Aggie fan Dan at USU The Right Blue, had it 38-21. Close, but no cigar. Uh, Spencer at Spencer Coog, uh, he had 35-21 close as well. But Nick Chadwick, you are the big winner this week, and all you really get for that is a big shout-out. So, Nick, thanks always for your guys' support. All right, let's get to your guys' comments now. We'll start off with one that actually came in before the game ended. That's our dear friend Amber Roberts, at AmberNN underscore. She said, fans leaving a game early is my biggest pet peeve of all time, but watching the game from home is a test of endurance at this hour with the yawning emoji. I feel like a sham, but I may have to catch the post game after church tomorrow. Go Cougs with the sleepy emoji. Amber, we love you. Thank you for listening nonetheless, and thank you for your support of the podcast and also the post-game coverage we do on the Zone Sports Network. I'm having an absolute blast with Hans Olsen doing that. If you guys uh, do have comments and you guys want to weigh in shortly after the game, well, tune into our post-game show. Me and Hans do an alternative post-game show. If other post-game shows just don't do it for you, love for you guys to join us on 97.5 FM and 12.8 in both part of the Zone Sports Network. All right, other takeaways. Our good friend Blair Red at Red Coach. Win and move on. Injuries are the big takeaway from this game. And yes, there are a number of ding and dents in this game for BYU. I am most concerned, if you want in terms of like ones I'm mostly concerned about, the guys who did not return. Harris Lachance, Mason Wick. I surely hope those are precautionary. It was not a good sign to see Harris Lachance with ice all over his foot and on crutches as he went up the tunnel to the locker room. Mason Wake was hobbling as he went to the locker room just before halftime. I don't recall uh, seeing him, and I'll do my film rewatch tomorrow and see if he popped back up, but I do not recall seeing him come back into that game. I surely hope that's purely precautionary heading into a short week against Utah State. We also saw guys like Caden Hawes, Gabe Summers go down, Caleb Hayes, uh, Puka Nakua, and Neil Pau'u. number of guys took hits that actually had him on the ground for a moment. By and large, most of those guys came back into the game. Caleb Hayes went down a second time. I think he was out of the game after that, but... The hope is that the guys that BYU held out, think of Tyler Batty, Nisa Mahe, Jaron Hall, Isaiah Heron, uh, maybe Keenan Ellis has an outside shot of playing this week against Utah State. I'm not as concerned about BYU's defensive performance, especially considering the guys they held out. That may be fool's gold. That may be just me looking into things a little too closely, but I think that they will be okay. But the injuries absolutely were a concern. Next one up, Ben Cannon at Cannon Laws. Between the second half last week and the game we saw tonight, have injuries left us so compromised that one of these upcoming teams can commit to the run early and gouge us all night long? That's a great question, Ben. We're going to find out. And the team I think would be most likely to give that a shot, I know Utah State is a wide-open offense. They like to sling it down the field, but I like to run it. The team I think is most likely to commit to the run is Boise State. I really think that is the team that's most likely to try that, but we'll have to wait and see. It's a very interesting take, and thank you for weighing in. Carson Allen at CCAARS. Carson, you spelled your name like double. I get it. It's actually kind of a, a genius idea to get your Twitter handle. He says, when the bad guys go on run-heavy 19-play drives, the game ends 35 minutes early. Hey, as a guy who has used to have been staying up late for the last three or four weekends in a row, I've been averaging going to bed after these games around like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. last week. 
I didn't mind that one bit. So, Carson, you have a good point there. Jordan Huey at Shengjiao. I'm hoping that's Chinese there, Jordan Huey. Hmm. Are there mercenaries we can hire to play defense? We're, we are literally a half a football team right now. Injuries are killing us. We never realized how deep we needed to be. I think BYU realizes how deep they need to be. The biggest thing I took away from the defense is there was a lot of rotation. I felt like BYU wanted to get guys reps, and it did hurt BYU because they were doing like wholesale hockey changes. Six, seven, eight guys out, eight guys in, that type of stuff. It messes with your continuity. I really think that was a big part of that. Chris Murphy at C. Murphy Pro. Honestly, this is the best thing that could happen to BYU football minus the injuries. A good chance to refocus and get their edge back. A little humble pie. I think that's a good point. As I said, it's better to learn from a win. It's easier to learn from a win than from a loss. Because when you lose, folks, we all have done this. If you've played sports at all, when you lose, you're really down and out about your performance. And you're not necessarily too engaged with learning what the coaches are showing you. When you win and you struggle, well, the coaches are going to harp on it. But you're going to look at it and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to get better. And we're going to keep winning. BYU's 4-0. Let's keep that in perspective here. Jonathan Hokinson and Jonathan Hoke. Defense was terrible today. It was like they were sleeping as they had little energy. I'm not going to lie. I kind of uh, mentally checked out for a little bit after that 21-0 lead. I really felt like when BYU went up 21-0, even when they were up 28-6 towards the end of the first half there, I thought BYU was on their way to a 50-plus point explosion. I thought this game was over, and I actually sincerely was hoping to see a guy like uh, Jacob Conover come in at quarterback. But, hey, credit to USF and the disinterest, as you mentioned, Jonathan, caught up with BYU a little bit, but they did win the game. All right, Jake Summers, Summers 12, underscore 1280. So many injured players. Hopefully they can recuperate for the Utah State game. If BYU goes into that game banged up like this, it could be tragic. I don't want to sound fatalistic about that, Jake, but I just, I'm confident about BYU. Honestly, right now, just kind of looking at it, I actually have a good feeling that BYU is going to be motivated. They didn't play their best game. And I, we all saw the razor-sharp edge they had, especially against Utah and Arizona State. They let that go this week against USF. And obviously, there's a natural letdown when it's a lesser opponent, quote-unquote. And I think that this taught them something. They've got to keep that edge. And I'm expecting them to really go out and show well. Uh, Weston G at Weston LG. Coach Tuiaki needs to go for any chance to progress. Okay, Weston, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think Elisa Tuiaki has been lights out so far this year. One subpar game from his defense when he actually held out some of his really good players, some of his better players along that defensive line. I'll give him a, a, a chance. I'll, I'll give him a pass on that, I guess is what I'll say. Um, also, Landon Soren is in a shell, 5-7-9-2. Defense wasn't the best, but ended up winning still. Hopefully the injuries aren't bad. We're going to find out. I'll be digging into that all week long, especially in the case of Jaron Hall to see if he has a chance to play. I was told Tuesday, folks, it was a 90% chance that Jaron was not going to play against USF. I have not heard at this juncture what his chances are next week, but I will have it for you guys, and when I do, you guys will be the first to hear it. Those of you that listen to this podcast, and there are thousands of you out there, you guys know how we do. I don't hold information back on you guys. Unless I am explicitly told you cannot reveal this by my sources, I give you guys everything that I know. It's my promise to you guys on this podcast. And a thank you once again for making us your first listen every single day. On to other comments here. Cameron Martin. A win is a win, but this shouldn't be seen as a good game for BYU. I don't necessarily think it's considered a good game, Cameron, so I agree with you there. After the hot start, they left the gas, and a lot of weak points were exposed. You shouldn't have to fight this win for over UCF. USF, but nonetheless. The injuries were so many injuries. So many injuries, all exclamation points. 
a lot of dings and dents. There's no doubt about that. So hopefully you guys are getting treatment tomorrow. And obviously with one less day to prepare, uh, you obviously need to make sure that recuperation is top of your priority list. Other ones, uh, Jeff Henor, a longtime listener of ours at Jay Henor. Love seeing the pass game unleashed, but can't help but think that hurt us more than anything. Defense was on the field too long and was getting gashed. Actually, you make a very good point there, Jeff. BYU was scoring at will. They were just motoring down the field, scoring touchdowns. And in some ways, it did hurt them in a way because they were scoring so quickly. Uh, the defense was left on the field a lot. I think the time of possession, 35 minutes and change in favor of USF. But you make a good point there. The defense, the longer they're on the field, the more they're exposed. BYU, could they have slowed things down and maybe gotten more methodical? Sure. But when you have a quarterback like Baylor Romney, who's just absolutely slinging the rock, 20 of 25, folks. He had a monster performance, 305 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, a passer rating of 222. Actually, I think Gregor Bell tweeted out, it's the best passer rating for a quarterback from BYU since the 18 for 18 performance by Zach Wilson during the 2019 uh, Idaho Potato Bowl. That's a pretty impressive performance, folks. We do need to acknowledge that. Calvin Johnson at CJ Real Hoops 1. Baylor Romney's ability to stretch the field with a long ball is more valuable than Jaron Hall's ability to stretch the field with his running. And this is coming from someone who has been all in on Camp Jaron since spring ball. Calvin, I hate to break it to you, but there is not a quarterback controversy at all in my mind. And Baylor Romney pretty much said after the game, I don't believe a player should lose their job due to injury. That was were his exact words in postgame. And Jaron Hall will be QB1 whenever he is healthy. The good news is, I remember who reached out to me on Twitter during the game. BYU maybe has the best backup quarterback or maybe best backup quarterbacks in the country. That quarterback room is as stocked and talented and deep as I have ever seen it be. And it's a really, really, really good unit. And BYU is lucky to have a guy like Baylor Romney. Old school BYU <laughs> sends in the uh, GIF. Uh, what's his name? Jeff. The guy from... Uh, it's late. Jurassic Park. You guys know him. He does the apartments.com uh, ads, but it's like him wiping his brow. Like, Whew, we won the game. It's not a bad takeaway from that, honestly. Cougar forever. A Mateo 36 BYU. Defensive game plan for the first quarter seemed very bad. They need to get off the field. Frustrating game. They do need to get off the field. BYU's offense, I think, was flustered with only those eight possessions. They converted five of them into touchdowns. They were in the red zone on, like, what, the three-yard line. Had a blocked field goal on that one. That blocked field goal, by the way, is a concern because, by the way, Jake Oldrade's still out. Not great. That's not great. But, obviously, we'll hope to see things get better there and... Uh, we'll have to see how things shake out, but thank you for weighing in, Cougar Forever. Uh, last one for a moment here. We'll get to more in just a moment. Cameron Van Dyke at The Van Dyker. I mean, his defense basically won the Utah and ASU games. The defenses look great until tonight. Not sure what the issue is, but the DC, uh, but could be the DC, but there are other problems. Excuse me, I'm butchering this. Could be the defensive coordinator, but there are other, probably other factors in play, and that's a response, I think, to an earlier comment about Elisa Tuiaki needing to be fired. Elisa Tuiaki ain't going anywhere, folks. He's been here this long. He's been through enough travails so far as BYU's defensive coordinator. Kalani Sitake is not going to uh, cut him loose at this juncture. So we'll get to more of your comments here in just a moment, but do need to take a minute today and talk about our friends over at Elevate Fitness. Many of you heard me talk about this and probably say, oh, he's going to drone on again about the fact he's lost weight. Lottie freaking dog. Good for you, Jake. Yeah, great. You know what? 
I understand that. But folks, it's more than just the weight lost. I am feeling as youthful, as energetic, as good as I have felt in well over a decade. Aches and pains that seemed to bother me eight months ago are no longer there. I'm able to get out and play with my kids. I've got more energy. I keep a crazy schedule. As I mentioned, folks, I've been averaging going to bed on Saturday night, quote unquote, you're talking early Sunday morning at 4 a.m. It's a quick turnaround to get to church and all that stuff. But you know what? Everything I've done in terms of what I've done with Elevate Fitness has been critical to me having the ability to do what I do. I've lost 45 pounds. There's undeniably a great part about that, but Elevate Fitness can help you guys no matter where you're at in your health journey. They've got their location in Orm, the gym that's been there for 25 years. Uh, They do a great job. And if you guys want to learn more about their system, and what I love about the system is its simplicity. It is simple. That's what I love about it. The whole KISS method, keep it simple, stupid. Well, that's what Elevate Fitness does. You can learn more by going to insuliniq.com. It's just a fantastic system. It's been literally a lifesaver in many senses senses for me. And I hope it, guys, it can be the answer for you guys as well. So once again, get over to insuliniq.com slash elevate. While you're there, you can learn more about the system and also schedule an, an interview, a consultation, if you will, with Rich Hart, one of the owners or the owner of Insulin IQ. He'd love to sit down with you guys, whether it's in person or via a Zoom chat online. And beyond that, there's no obligation. The consultation, the initial consultation is free. So get to insuliniq.com slash elevate to learn more. That's insuliniq.com slash elevate. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, more of your comments here before we round out this postcast edition of Locked on Cougars. Uh, God Bluth, a Bluth stock. I actually really appreciate the reference to rest of development. We want Bama, Jake. You probably don't after this game. I think that was said more in jest, but nonetheless, moving on here. Carter Anderson at CJAndy33. Though it didn't feel good in the second half, the reserves on defense were able to get the important game experience to grow and learn from. Also, BYU is in good hands at quarterback. Very good points all the way around. Those game reps, they're absolutely invaluable. It's one thing I think we don't give enough attention to is game reps. They are so critical for the development of football players, and it's absolutely something we need to uh, acknowledge that BYU was trying to get in this game. All right, at Autry87, blank. I know a win is a win, but the lack of energy and sheer number of injuries is concerning. The team can use a bye week, but instead they have two rivalry games on tap. Obviously, Utah State this coming week and Boise State afterwards. Uh, He adds, hopefully the D-line can get healthy. They're going to be needed. Also, Tyler, speaking of Tyler Algier, is NFL caliber, and Baylor is... And there's no like continuation there. Maybe he ran out of space. Oh, Baylor is fire. He says, dang, I'm tired. He added that later. So he's a good point. And I can tell you this. I had a staff member at BYU who told me in this he told me this before last season. Tyler Algier is an NFL running back. Well, what did he do last year? He had an 1,100-yard season. He's on track for another 1,000 yards this year. All right, other ones. Tanks for nothing. at Troy for MTJD. Ugly win with bursts of offensive fireworks by the Cougars. I think there should have been more game coordination between the O and the D so we could have had a more balanced game and higher time of possession. Our defense got tired and could not get U.S. off, off the field. I agree with you, I think, on all points there. I'm not going to say it's an ugly win because BYU's offense, folks, you got to acknowledge, 
eight possessions, five touchdowns, a quarterback who comes off the bench in his first start in over two years and passes for 300 yards and three touchdowns. I think the offense was just fine. The defense, I think, soured everything here. Uh, Carter Anderson continues. We've tried playing with four-string players who've never seen the field at the collegiate level before. I think some people being upset about the defense. Not a bad point. Uh, McCade 3 Our run defense is atrocious. That has been the big thing that has kept teams in the game, and injuries aren't helping that any. I think getting guys like Tyler Batty and Atunaisa Mahe back along BYU's defensive line will go a long way to helping them remedy some of those issues, but maybe I'm wrong about that. All right, we'll see what else is going on here. Landon Sorensen. Do we find out who that kid impersonating Jaron Hall is? We did not, based on what I saw, Landon. Uh, if you guys didn't see it before the game, if you were at the game, ESPN uh, put up a graphic that showed Baylor Romney and then somebody who supposedly was Jaron Hall, but it was not Jaron Hall. And as I tweeted out, I have covered BYU for a long time. I feel like I have a pretty good feel for guys who are on the team. Whoever that person was, I think it might have been a recruit, could have been a random fan, but I can guarantee you that it was not Jaron Hall. Pretty dang funny. Uh, made me chuckle to see that. Alex Long, a longtime friend of mine, a high school teammate of mine, actually got the win, dot, dot, dot. And it's the Alonzo morning gif of him shaking his head and then, oh, shaking his head. Yeah, like shaking his head like bad. And then, you know, he hasn't seen that gif. We've all seen it. Uh, you got the win, plain and simple. All right, other ones coming in here at uh, Big 12 Shiitake at KJT underscore 91. Given who was out on defense, Mahe, Batty, Peely, by the way, Keenan Peely, his loss absolutely a concern. Uh, starting cornerbacks, you've got to be happy we came away with a W. Baylor Romney came through big. This is our best offensive performance of the year. That's true, folks. BYU set a season high in points with 35 in the victory. And I am of the opinion, I am of the opinion, excuse me, they probably would have gone 50 plus had they had a normal amount of possession. So, there you go. Mark Scott at Mark Scott 35. Offense looked incredible. Defense, not so much. I'm not sure how much that was being gassed from me on the field so soon after quick offensive touchdowns or being depleted from injuries. Hopefully guys are back healthy and can get some stops. Long drives killed them tonight. Agreed, agreed, agreed all the way across the board there. Well done, Scott Mark. Thank you for that. Uh, Nelson Lloyd won the Conliest Manifesto. Conley feels kind of feels like the same things that gave us trouble towards the end of last year. Good running teams can sit on the ball for the entire game against this defense and our offense has been near perfect for, to win, but 4-0 is 4-0. You know what? That's kind of right. Uh, BYU, yes, there have been teams that come in, and USF, they had a very, very straightforward game plan. They were going to sit on the ball as uh, Nelson says here. I, I, that's what they were going to do. I like to call it taking the air out of the ball. They were more than content just to take up a lot of time. I, I think that they were like, you know what? Our only chance to do that is to keep BYU's offense off the field. And by and large, they did a good job without that. All right, Jacob Hibbert, I'm concerned about the defense and its depth. I get that, but I think they'll be just fine. That's just me. Man, there's so many comments here. So I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to get to all of them, folks, but we'll keep you updated on that. Um, let's see here. Moving on. Garrett, SF Garrett. Defense couldn't get off the field and it caused some injuries. Sure. Good point. Uh, one person said the BYU starting cornerbacks were out. Well, D'Angelo Mandela started every game so far this year. He's actually one of the two starting cornerbacks alongside Keenan Ellis that started the Arizona game. Mandel. You don't hear his name a lot because he's been so dang good this year. He just locked down one side of the field. He's been really, really lights out. The issue is, yeah, you need to get Isaiah Heron and or Keenan Ellis back in short order, if at all possible. Uh, Turd Ferguson uh, adding, hoping this is the same as our UTSA game last year. Well, I think I made that analogy, and you had a great analogy there. Nick Lee, a longtime friend, obviously a host of Locked On Seahawks up there in Seattle. Although I'm a Seahawks fan, I believe in the Al Davis philosophy of just win, baby. Wasn't pretty, but I like to 
I think this will be a motivation to tighten the screws on defense ahead of a big game in August. I mean, Logan. Well done, Nick. Bravo, sir. Well done. I think every BYU fan out there gets that joke about Ogden being where Utah State is located. Fun times. All the same. All the way. All right. Brad Clough. Sure hope we are getting some guys back soon because this defense is not very deep. I think they will get those guys back. Uh, Tricky T says, Jake, what are your thoughts on Tuiaki? You actually submitted that three different times, Tricky T. I know Tricky Tanner. Uh, we have our back and forth. I, I honestly, I, folks, what Tuiaki has done so far this year through the first three games should not be tainted by what happened tonight. That's just my take on it. So I think Tuiaki's just fine. He's not going anywhere, and that's that. So hopefully that answers your question, Tricky T. All right, a couple more here before we wrap things up. Stuart G. Hamilton and Big Hammy. Look at what happened to the defense. They were on the field twice as much as the other three games because the defense, okay, excuse me, because the offense scored so quick, controlled the game right, much more of the game than scoring. Well, I think that's, there's a point to be made there. But be what you want. Wins a win's a win, and is a win is a win is a win. We all we all know that. Bob French at RGF Cali, a trap game. Three emotional, high value games. Utah State is traditionally a significant game, despite the injuries. A letdown in this game is so predictable. It's a great win. I like that, Bob. I think it's a good perspective. Uh, let's see. Continuing on here, Nick Chadwick, uh, obviously the guy who predicted the score closest. A win is a win. Tuiaki struggles when opposing team makes adjustments mid game. Reminded me a lot of the Coastal Carolina game. If we could have gotten a stop and none of the 16-play, 7-minute drive crap, our offense would have put up 40-plus. Also, we play to the level of our opponents, which will bite us soon. There was some of that. There was some of the playing down to the level of USF. I would agree with you on that point. So we'll keep you updated on how things are going with the injuries, as always. A few more here before we wrap things up. JT Lamoureux, worried about the health of the defense and the O-line, especially for the next few games. Lots of injuries in this game. Really happy with the offense and glad how dominant they were. Just need to get the defense off the field and we'll keep winning. I agree with you, JT. The health of the defense is a paramount concern. Short week, but as I said, I've got it's just this feeling that BYU is going to take this game, similar to what we saw last year from UTSA into the Houston game, and they're going to have something special, I think, for Utah State. Don Lovelace, another long friend of mine, my quarterback in high school. We mentioned Alex earlier. He was a linebacker on that Mountain View team. Don says this, Offense was rolling. What a luxury to have Romney as a backup. Depth is better than a few years ago, but we need to improve much more by the time we hit the Big 12. Agreed on all points, Don. And Don's daughter, Haven, had a very, very cool comment. I retweeted it on Locked On Cougars. I think the quote was, Thank, thanks Jesus for BYU football. You know what, Haven? You deserve an extra shout-out for that. Don, you're raising them right over there. Thank you, my friend. Final comments here. Russell Nebaker at Carolina Rays. Pepe Donovasa did the best job containing the quarterback. He had a pretty good game, speaking of Pepe Donovasa. Seven tackles, if I'm not mistaken, tied for the second highest on the team. A good game for him. Uh, able to get after the quarterback and hopefully help contain him. i got to give credit, by the way, to Timmy McLean. A true freshman in his first true road start all the way across the country pretty poised for a freshman. I got to give him some credit on that. All right. Other ones coming in here. Uh, BYU underscore CJ saying it was great seeing BYU go 4-0 and score almost at will, but the run clock at the end to finish the game. Oh, but run clock at the end of the game to finish that game. I didn't like all the injuries. It seemed like we were piloting piling that we were piling up though well i'm struggling to read these i apologize let's read that again let's just go backwards rewind byu underscore cj it was great seeing byu go four and and score almost at will but run the clock at the end to finish the game once again folks if you did not notice byu did run out the clock and win the game i didn't like all the injuries it seemed like we were piling them up though good point uh danny shazay 
Hall needs to be benched. Romney needs to start the rest of the season. Danny, thank you for your comment, but you're dead wrong. Hall will be QB1 whenever he is healthy, hopefully as soon as this coming Friday against Utah State. Final three comments here. Casey Finlinson, lots of work for the backups, which is good. Got to get healthy. Got the W. And being 4-0 at this point is a welcome treat that, truthfully, I did not expect. Love the effort from this team four weeks in. Thank you, Casey. You're a dear friend. I think you make a very good point there. Uh, Daryl Larson said his takeaway from this game is a sore throat. Obviously, he was yelling all game long. The crowd, 60,000-plus of you packed in there, did a pretty good job. And then final word goes to our good friend Uncle Maui at Uncle Maui. Just period, win, period, hashtag, go Cougars. I think that's the right way to go out on the, on that on a high note right there, folks. All right, more for you guys on the Monday edition of the show as we do our film review. My film review will share what I take away after re-watching this game. Hope you all are doing great. Thanks again for being our first. Make it, thank you for making us your first listen, excuse me. And thank you for making sure that you guys follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. Let us know your thoughts, as always, at all times. Also, feel free to reach out via email. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. That's going to do it. Have a great rest of your day. Whenever you hear this, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast, special postcast edition as BYU takes down USF 35-27. to See ya. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.